Sample from the book My Sister the Serial Killer by O Y A N K A N B R A I T H W A I T E O O O Yin Can Brave Wait Wait Words and Melina summons me for these words. Kunro, I killed him. I had hoped I'd never hear these words again. Bleach. I bet you didn't know that bleach masks the smell of blood. Most people use bleach and indiscriminately, assuming it's a catch-all product. Never taking the time to read the list of ingredients on the back. Never taking the time to return to the recently wiped surface to take a closer look. Bleach would disinfect, but it's not going to clean. It's not for cleaning residue. So I use it only after I first scrub the bathroom of all traces of life and death. It is clear that the room we are in has been remodelled recently. It is that never-been-used look, especially now I have spent close to three hours cleaning up. The hardest part was getting to the blood that seeped in between the shower and cooling licking. It's, it's an easy part to forget. There's nothing placed on, on any of the surfaces. Your shower gel, toothpaste and toothpaste all. Oh, oh stored in the cabinet above the sink. Then there's the shower mat. A black smiley face with a yellow rectangle, an otherwise white room. Aloha is perched on the toilet seat, her knees raised, her arms wrapped around them. The blood on her dress has dried and there's no risk it will drip on the white nail glossy floors. Her dreadlocks are piled on the top of her head, so they won't don't sweep the ground. She keeps looking up at me with her big brown eyes, afraid that I am angry, and I will soon get off my hands and knees to lecture her. I'm not angry. If I, if I am anything, I'm tired. I sweat from my drip, brow drips under the floor. I use the blue sponge to wipe it away. I was about to eat when she called me. I laid everything out on a tray preparation. The fork was a left to the plate, a knife to the right. I folded a napkin and shaped it on the ground and placed it in the centre of the plate. The movie was paused at the beginning credits. And t- other time I had just rung, when my phone began to vibrate violently on my table. By the time I got home, the food will be cold. I stand there rent- and rent up and rinse the gloves in the sink, but I don't remove them. A lower is looking at my reflection in the mirror. We need to move the body, I tell her. Are you angry at me? Perhaps a normal people would, person would be angry. But what I feel now is pressing need to dispose of the body. When I got here, when I got here, we carried him to the boot of my car, so I was free to scrub the mop without having to con- con- conveyance with his cold stare. Get your bag, I reply. We returned to the car, and he's still in the boot, waiting for us. The third mainland bridge. Gets little to no traffic at this time of night, and since there are no lamp lights, it's almost pitch black. But if you look behind beyond the bridge, you see the lights of the city. We take him to where we took the last one, over the bridge and into the water. At least he won't be lonely. Some of the blood is seeped into the lining of the boot. A lower offers to clean it, out of guilt. But I make my homemade, take my homemade mixture of one spoon ammonia to two cups of water from her and pour it over the stain. I don't know whether or not they have the tech for cleaning 
crying, screaming, seeing the investigation Lucas, but Loa could never clean up as effectively as I can. Notebook. Who was he? Female. I scribbled the name down. Beyond the be- my bedroom, Loa is sitting cross-legged on my sofa, her head resting on the back of her cushion. While she took a bath, I sent the dress she had been wearing on fire. Now she wears a rose-coloured t-shirt and burns and smells of baby powder. Is surname, she frowns, pressing her lips together. And then she shakes her head, as though trying to shake the name back to the forefront of her brain. It doesn't come, she shrugs. I should have taken his wallet. I close the notebook, it's small, smaller than the palm of my hand. I watch a tennis video, once where the man said about crying, carrying about around the notebook and penning one happy moment each day and changed his life. That's why I bought the notebook. On the first page I wrote, I saw a white owl from my bedroom window. The notebook has been mostly empty since. It's not my fault, you know, but I don't, but I don't know. I don't know where, what she is referring to. Does she mean the ability to recall his surname? Or his death? Tell me what happened. The poem. Femi wrote her poet. Her poem. She can, she can remember the poem, but she cannot remember his last name. I dare you to find a flaw in her beauty, to bring forth a woman who can stand beside her without wilting. He gave it to her a written on a piece of paper, folded twice for resemblance of it, reminiscent of our secondary school days when kids would pass notes to one another in the back row of classrooms. She is moved by all this, but when Olola is always moved by worship of the uh, merits, she agreed to this to be his woman. On their one month anniversary, she, she stabbed him in the bathroom of his apartment. He didn't mean to, of course. He was angry, screaming at her, his onion-stained breath hot against her face. But why was she carrying the knife? The knife was for her protection. She never knew with men. They wanted what they wanted when they wanted it. She didn't mean to kill him. She wanted to warn him off, but he wasn't scared of her weapon. He was over six foot tall. He, she must have been looked like a doll to him. With a small frame, long eyelashes, a rosy full lips. A description, not mine. She killed him on the first strike, a jab straight to the heart. But when she'd stabbed him twice more, to be sure, he sank to the floor, she could hear her own breathing, and nothing else. Body. Have you ever heard this one before? Two girls walk in the room. The room is in the flat. The flat is in the third floor. In the room is the bed body of an adult male. How do you get to the body to the ground for ground floor without being seen? First, they they give us supplies. How many bed sheets do we need? How many does it does he have? Alola ran out of the bathroom bedroom bathroom and returned armed with information. There are five sheets in his laundry cupboard. I bit my lip. We need a lot, but I'm afraid his family might notice. If it's the only sheet we had, it was one laid on his bed. For the average male, they wouldn't be at all that peculiar. But this man was meticulous. His book chef was arranged alphabetically by author. His book bathroom was stocked with full range of cleaning products. Supplies. He bought the same kind of brand of effectant as I did. His kitchen shone. Aloha seemed out of place here, a blight and an otherwise pure existence. Bring the free, 
Second, they clean up the blood. I soak up the body with a towel and wring it, wring it out in the sink. I repeat the motions till the floor is dry. I love the hovered, leaning on one foot and the other. I ignored her doing patience. It takes a lot of longer to dispose of body than to dispose of the soul, especially if you don't want to leave any evidence of foul play. But my eyes kept darting the slumped corpse propped up against the wall. I wouldn't be able to go through do a thorough job until his body was elsewhere. Third, they turned him into a mummy. We sent lay the sheet out on the old dry floor and she rolled him onto it. I don't know what I didn't want to touch him. I could I would make out his sculptured body beneath his white teeth. It looks like a man who would survive a couple of flesh wounds, but then then so did Archimedes and Caesar. It was a shame to think that death would whittle by his broad shoulders and carry concave abs until he's nothing more than bone. When I first walked in, I checked his pulse twice and twice more. He could have been sleeping. He looked so peaceful. His head was bent low, his back carved against the wall, his legs askew. A little puffed and puffed as he pushed his body into the sheets. She wiped the sweat off her brows and left a trace of her blood there. She chucked one side of her sheet over him, hiding him from view. Then I helped him, her roll him and wrap him firmly into the, on, within the sheets. He stood and looked at her. Now what? she asked. Fourth, they moved the body. We could have used the stairs, but what I imagine as carrying what was clearly a crudely swollen body and meeting meeting someone on the way. I made up a couple of possible explanations. We're playing a prank on my brother. He'd been a deep sleeper and we're moving his body sleeping body elsewhere. No no, this is not a real man. What do you take us for? It's a mannequin. No no, it's just a sack of potatoes. I bet the eyes of my make believe witnesses one in fear as he or she ran to safety. No stairs were out of the questions. We needed to take the lift. I opened her eye, mouth to ask a question. Then she shook her head and I closed it again. She had done her bit. The rest was left to me. We lifted her. Him. I should have used my knees and not my back. I felt something crack and drop from my end of the body. Like with a thud. My sister rolled her eyes. I took his feet again and we carried him to the doorway. Alola darted to the flat lift, pressed the button, ran back to the bus and lifted Femi's shoulders over one, once more. I peeked out in the apartment and confirmed that the landing was still clear. I attempted to pray, but begged that no door be opened as we journeyed from door to lift. But clearly certain there was exactly the type of prayers he didn't answer. So I chose instead of lie on luck and speed. We silently shuffled across the stone floor. The lift dinged just in time to open its mouth for us. We stayed on one side while I confirmed that the lift was empty, and when we heaved him in, bundling him in the corner, away from the immediate view. Hold! Please hold the lift, cried a voice from the corner of the eye. I saw a lower, about to press a button, one that stops the lift from closing its doors. I sat my hand, her hand away, and jabbed the ground button immediately. As the lift doors slid shut, I caught a glimpse of my young mother's disappointment. Feeling guilty. She had a baby in one arm and bags in the other. But I do not feel guilty enough for this incarceration. Besides, what good 
will she be up to moving around this at that hour with a child in tow? What is wrong with you? I hissed at Alora. Even though I knew my, my her motive being instinctive, possibly the same repulsiveness that caused her to drive a knife into flesh. My badge he, was her only response. I swallowed the words of fret and spilled out my mouth. This was not the time. On the ground floor, I had left Lower to guard the body and hold the lift. If anyone was coming towards her, she would shut the doors and go to the top floor. If anyone attempted to call it from another floor, she would hold the lift doors. I ran to get my car and drive it to the back door, the apartment building, where she fetched the body from the lift. My heart only stopped by ring in my chest and we shut the door. Fifth, the bleach. Scrubs. The administration at the hospital decided to change the nurse's uniform from white to pale pink. The white was beginning to look more like crowded cream, but I stuck with my own white. It looked, oh, still looked brand new. Tad notices this. What's your secret? he asked. He touches the hem of my sleeve. He feels like he's touched my skin. Heat flows from my body. I hand him the chart of the next patient. I try to think of ways of keeping the conversation going, but the truth is there's no way to make a clean sound sexy. Clean sounds sexy, unless you're cleaning a sports car in a bikini. Google is your friend, I say. Mr. He laughs at me and looks down at the chart and groans, Miss Redtrolley again? I think she just likes seeing your face, Doctor. He looks at me and he grins. I try to smile back without betraying the fact the attention to made my mouth go dry. As soon as I exit the room, I swing my hips the way Alola is fond of doing. Are you okay? He calls after me. My hand reaches the door, but I turn to face him. Mm-hmm. You're walking funny. Oh, I'm pulled a muscle. Shame I know that, that name. I open the door and leave the room quickly. Mrs. Rosetti, it says you don't want the many of our many leather sofas in reception. She has one entirely to herself. She used to have space to settle a handbag and makeup bag next to her. A patient's look up as I head towards them, hoping it is now their turn. Mrs. Rosoni is pounding on her face, but she pauses as I approach her. Is this doctor ready to see me now? Is the doctor ready to see you now? She asks. I nod and she stands, clicking the powder case shut. I just heard her follow. But she stops me with a hand on my shoulder. I know the way. Mrs. Redredrew has diabetes, type 2. In other words, if she eats right, loses some weight, and takes her insulin in time, there's no reason for us to see her as often as we do. And yet there she is, half skipping to Dad's office. I understand, though, his ability to look at you make you feel like the only thing that matters as long as you have his attention. He doesn't look away, his eyes don't glaze over, he's generous with his smile. I direct, redirect my steps to the reception desk and slam my clipboard on it, hard enough to wake Yinky, who has found a way to sleep with eyes open. Binny frowns at me because he is on the phone looking booking a, booking in a patient. What the hell, Karodi? Don't wake me up unless there's a fire. This is a hospital, not a bed and breakfast, he matters. Bitch, as I walk away by Nora, something else has caught my attention. I let the air out from my teeth and go find Mohammed. I sent him to the third floor for an hour ago. And sure enough, he's still there, leaning with Mount for flinting with Isabel. 
She has long permed hair and slightly thick eyelashes. I never clean it. She makes a run as soon as she sees me coming down the corridor. Moira Harrod turns to face me. Ma, I was just... I don't care. Did you wipe the windows of the section with hot water and one quarter to seal vinegar? Like I asked you to. Yes, Ma. Okay. Show me the vinegar. He sits from foot to foot, staring at the floor, trying to figure out how to weave his way out of the lie just told. He come, it comes to no surprise to me. He can't clean windows. I can smell them. Even from ten feet away, it's rank, stale odour. Unfortunately, the way a person smells, not grounds for dismissal. I, I no see where I can buy a M from. I give him directions from the local store. He slashes off the staircase, leaving his bucket in the middle of the hallway. I send him back to clean that after himself. When I return to the ground floor, Yugi is asleep again. Arise, staring into nothing, much the way Finley's did. I blink an image from my mind and turn to Benamai. Is Mrs. Rowland done? No, Benamai. I sighs. I replies, I say. There are other people in the waiting room, and all the patient doctors seem to be occupied with a talkative person. If I had my way, each patient would have a fixed consumption time. The patient. The patient in room 313 is a mentor of Yarare. He is sleeping, lying on a bed, his feet dangling on the end. He has daddy long legs, limbs and the torso, to which they are attached to quite long too. He is thin, where, he, where we got there, when he got there, but he's got, got thinner still. He does not walk, wake soon, he will waste away. I lift the chair from the beside the table in the corner of the room and sat down a few inches from his bed. I sit on it, resting my head in my hands. I can feel a headache coming on. I can I came to talk about a lower, but it's Tad I, whom I cannot seem to get out of my mind. I wish, I wish, there's a confronting beat every few seconds for the machine monitoring his heart. Mutar doesn't stir. He'd been on a comatose state for five months. He was in a car crash with his brother. Who was behind the wheel? All the brother got for his efforts was whiplash. I met Motar's wife once. He reminded me of a lower. It wasn't that her looks were memorable, but it seemed completely obvious to all but her own needs. Oblivious to all but her own needs. Isn't it, isn't it expensive to keep him in a coma like this? She had asked me. Do you want? Do you, do you want to pull the plug? I returned. He raised her chin, offended by my question. It's only proper I know what I'm getting myself into. I understand what the money was coming from his estate. Well, yes, but I just, hopefully, you'll come out of the coma soon. Yes, hopefully. But a lot of time was passed since that, that conversation. Day is dawning, near that even his children would start thinking, think shutting off his life support is best for everyone. Till then, he plays the role of a great listener and concern considered friend. I wish Tad would see me, but uh, will you see me?